MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. Today, Andrew Cuomo and Dr. Anthony Fauci defy misinformation from the Trump White House on coronavirus. Bill Barr's March 31st testimony to the House Judiciary has been postponed, as have the Summer Olympic Games in Japan. We have an interview with Andrew Torres about who takes over in the event of no elections. And the Congress makes strides in the $2 trillion economic stimulus plan as Trump and conservative rich jerks continue to push for the country to reopen by Easter. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, you know? Just another day in paradise. Yep, they're just, they're sort of blurring together now. I think it's Tuesday, and this is for Wednesday, and I'm I'm glad I have a calendar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is, um, I do feel like I'm starting to fall into some kind of routine now, and waking up, I don't feel like I'm waking up into a nightmare as much as I have the last few days, so that's good. Yeah, I think I'm settling in too. Uh, I've started to address my cats and my dog as co-workers. <laughs> um, we are... Uh, 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 we, here's what something we're doing for the podcast. We're working on setting up a cocktail quarantine Q&A hangout live for our premium subscribers. That, that'll be this Friday, I think, at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we'll be give you. We'll send out all the information to our patrons, and thanks to all who are still able to contribute. Um, your money goes toward paid sick leave and health benefits, uh, so we can keep this operation running. We can't thank you enough. Um, and in addition to the cocktail Q and A hangouts, premium subscribers get these episodes ad free. They get them early. You get our newsletter, thank you gifts, bonus content like video from the studio, uh, and my new weird endeavor, Quarantine with Silverstein, where I read Shel Silverstein poems to you and your family. (laughs) (laughs) Those are coming out soon. And you have, you just released, I think, the first episode of your new podcast, Jordan, right? Yes, I did. Thank you. Uh, I Disagree is the name of the new podcast, and it is hosted by myself and Steve Shostick, who you all heard on Muller She Wrote, and it did not go well for some of you so <laughs> if you're not interested in hearing that guy again uh sorry but he's uh he's fantastic he really is and the podcast is up we got our pilot episode up with jesse egan he's our first guest you've heard of jesse on daily beans and molar shiro as well uh but yeah you can check it out on itunes or google play uh spotify it's up pretty much wherever you get your podcast i disagree would love it if you you can check us out on patreon uh itunes a subscribe a retweet a like whatever anything would help us out yes uh and um i've seen a lot of really positive comments about it already so well done yeah i'm thank you i'm very excited i like the concept a lot get comics on and we disagree about shit and it's pretty lighthearted considering and it's good listening i think Excellent. Yeah. Well, I uh, look forward to that, and uh, everyone should Thank check you. that out. And of course, I've got my little side podcast, Awful Neutral, um, which yeah. is a role playing. We, we we do D and D. Jordan, you've been a, a non player character um, on that 
podcast as well. And it's it's a yeah. lot of fun. Um, we're setting up our remote because we can't put eight comedians in a room anymore. No. So we're setting up our remote stuff this week. Uh, there is a new episode out um, right now. Um, and we do all sorts of role playing. We do Dungeons and Dragons. We do Call of Cthulhu. We do Kids on Bikes, which is based on Stranger Things. It's a lot of fun. But Aside from all that, all the podcasts and projects and things that we're doing to stay afloat, we do actually have a lot of news today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So it's time for uh, Jordan's Outbreak Breakdown, which sounds like a dance, but it's not. Jordan, (laughs) what do you have for us? Yeah, that's a very sad dance, isn't it? Um, We have a bunch of different updates, a lot of them coming out of uh, Cuomo's office. Uh, Cuomo, governor of New York, he had another press conference today, and it was super informative. And I think Cuomo is really emerging as like the leader. I feel like everyone wishes was governing the whole country right now on this. Yeah, and he has really big hands as well. So, <laughs> yes, I took note. Yes, he's like if Bill Clinton and the other Cuomo had a child. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. But they they're brothers. Anyway. They're brothers. I keep thinking they're father and son, but they're bro- brothers. And they had this great, like, you can find it on the internet. It's this great argument they had when Governor Cuomo was on Cuomo Primetime and they were, like, arguing about wh- whom their mom likes best. And then he was like, you need to call mom. I called her this morning. No, I talked to her. It's so funny. That's Just, so funny. funny. Have you, side note, have you seen the SNL sketch? It's the brothers sketch. And it's newer. It's from, like, the last couple years. But there's to i think kyle mooney is one of them and it's another guy and then they play brothers that are you know older obviously but they're like acting like children and they're yeah, like yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and they're like fighting with <laughs> where they're other. always fighting <laughs> yeah they're wearing their underwear and like a t-shirt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they should get they should get the cuomo brothers to come on and do a guest appearance and reenact that that'd be the funniest uh, shit oh uh, saturday night live if you're listening god that'd be so funny uh, anyways, so Cuomo is fantastic, both of them. Um, I've seen a lot of people tweeting that are New York residents that are just like super stoked on Cuomo right now, too. So that's encouraging to see. Uh, I feel like New York and California are blessed with some pretty solid governors right now, and I am very appreciative of that. But Cuomo said today that New York's cases are just about doubling every three days right now. As of Tuesday, they're at 25,665 cases, which is about 10 times the number of cases here in California. Uh, 3,234 people have been hospitalized in New York, and Cuomo expressed a lot of frustration with the federal government for not sending more ventilators and for not finding a way to increase the production of them if they can't release ones from the stockpile. I guess FEMA is supposed to be sending 400, but Cuomo said... 400 ventilators this is a quote 400 ventilators um we're not slowing it and it is accelerating on its own the state estimates it will need 140,000 hospital beds in as little as 14 to 21 days uh the state previously said that it would need 110,000 beds for COVID-19 patients by early to mid May so the projections are just consistently going up at really high rates exponentially uh, This is a quote. The inescapable conclusion is that the rate of infection is going up. It is spiking. The apex is higher than we thought, and the apex is sooner than we thought. That is a bad combination of facts. New York is the canary in the coal mine. New York is going first. We have the highest and fastest rate of infection. 
So that's scary for New York. Yeah, and especially. he also he was also talking about the four hundred ventilators that he actually needs thirty thousand. Um, yeah. ventilators and, and he says that you know 400 just goes to show I think Cuomo said something along the lines of that uh, the White House just doesn't even understand the magnitude of what's happening in New York yeah definitely and he also said you want a pat on the back for sending 400 ventilators yeah I need 30,000 so um, he was saying what's happening in New York is going to spread to California and Washington and other states. So essentially, the spike that they're seeing, it's not like that's going to be some novel occurrence that just happens in New York. It's probably going to happen in other major cities across the United States, indubitably after them. So that's really, it's not even just an issue that only affects New York right now. This is scary to know that the federal government isn't proving that they can respond appropriately and give states the help that they need when they're seeing these huge spikes. So talking about being the canary in the coal mine, it's really important for it to be handled by the federal government as good as it can right now and for the duration of this infection. Um, He called on President Trump to use the Defense Production Act to secure more medical equipment, and he asked uh, Alex Azar, he is Health and Human Services Secretary, to release the 20,000 ventilators in the U.S. stockpile to New York, and he gave Trump shit for pushing to lift state restrictions that have effectively placed about half of the nation under some sort of quarantine. I know you're going to go over that, uh, going over his presser today. But Cuomo reacted saying, I understand what the president is saying, that this is unsustainable, that we close down the economy um, and we continue to spend money. There is no doubt of that. But if you ask the American people to choose between public health and the economy, there's no contest. No American is going to say accelerate the economy at the cost of human life. And I would agree with that sentiment. And I think um, most people probably do. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think Trump said today, actually, when he when you know, because you, you, you were wondering, like, why hasn't Trump sent these ventilators from the national stockpile to New York? And Trump said today, um, in one of his appearances, he made a few that, you know, if you want him to be nice to you, you have to be nice to him. And I honestly am hoping that there isn't some sort of just he just doesn't like Cuomo. And that's why he's not doing this. Yeah, I mean, he's threatened to go after blue states over and over and over again. So honestly, it seems like it's only logical that he would do something like that to a state like New York. But could that be a thing that becomes an impeachable offense once all of this is over? Um, if, if this even is over in time for him to still have any amount of governing days really left in office? Because it kind of rings to me, like you said, as a super corrupt and entirely impeachable, if not criminal act, if he's denying states something because of any sort of political reasons. Obviously, that's incredibly hard to prove. But yeah, but everything that's not connected to coronavirus on Capitol Hill is shut down. And I'm going to go over, you know, they, they canceled the Bill Barr testimony. I don't think that there would be time between now and then to hold impeachment hearings, especially if everyone's, you know, sheltering in place and and all that uh, between between now and the election. So who you know who knows? But it is yeah. definitely uh, absolutely an impeachable offense, and it's abs- it's disgusting if that's what's going on. Yeah. 
Um, another thing Cuomo announced uh, is New York State's running a clinical trial beginning on Tuesday of a treatment regimen of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. Uh, these are two drugs that doctors in Africa and other places have said they've seen anecdotal evidence that it might help fight coronavirus. The state health department is also going to be running a clinical trial using the blood plasma of recovered patients to treat new infections. So not exactly, um, you know, a ready to roll out vaccination situation, but definitely progress in trying to find a solution to that. Um, so that's, I think that's exciting if I can use that word. Yeah. And those are, those are treatments, um, Mm-hmm. You know, we're obviously on a separate track. They're trying to as fast as they can to develop the vaccine, but and it's going to take 12 to 18 months to inoculate the globe with mm-hmm. that. And in the meantime, yeah, definitely starting clinical trials on multiple drugs. Um, but this one in New York could be promising as well. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And then uh, just zooming out to the rest of the United States, our cases today are sitting at 53,260 with 136 new deaths reported. Um, like I said, there's, uh, there's, as soon as you look up coronavirus numbers, there's a website that comes up. It's worldometers.info slash coronavirus. And that's where I and a lot of other people have been getting their numbers. I'm curious if anybody can tell me if this is not a good source. I think, like I said, a lot of people are going off of it, and it's the first one that comes up when you look up coronavirus numbers. But if anyone has any insight into that, just to double double check, this is it's always like a, a little bit off than what's being reported in the news. So I don't know if that means these are more accurate or uh, if they're like lagging or going off of some different projection. I'll do some research too. But anyways, that's where the numbers. Uh, are being reported as sitting at for the U.S. as a whole. Uh, some other coronavirus news, the Tokyo Olympics have been officially postponed to 2020. No exact date's been set, just that they're postponing about a year, and that's huge. That's oh, to like, 2021? Yeah, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's crazy. And I was thinking just talking about the rippling effects of all of this, there are so many... So many athletes. I know this sounds like a like a privileged problem, maybe sort of, but there are so many people who have to so meticulously plan out their life, especially depending on the sport, for them to even get to participate in these Olympics. Like I know for gymnastics specifically, there's a lot of stuff where if you like miss the Olympic date by one year, for example and then it like sends you into when you would be going to college that can like totally fuck up your olympic dreams and stuff and and this is it's just a huge bummer for all the people that were expecting to do it this summer obviously it's kind of one of those things where you just can't have it happen anyway but my heart goes out to all the people and families that work so hard to get to that point and the people that might just straight up not even be able to do it anymore next year yeah because those are lifetime commitments mm-hmm. absolutely and then it's one of those things where, like I said, for some of the sports, if you just, there's like a very small, tiny slit in a window that is open. And if you're lucky enough to pebble slingshot your way through before it shuts, then you get to do it. And if anything changes, then you you just can't. And I think that there's a lot of people that straight up just won't be able to do it anymore. And that just really sucks. So, 
Yeah, because it only happens every four years, and mm-hmm. you're only considered a junior uh, for a certain amount of time. And if exactly. you're, you're at that weird time, then it could be your one shot to do the Olympics because four years later is not going to be viable because you're just too old at that point. Exactly. You know, I mean, and there's, and that's just one of a million considerations that these excruciatingly finely tuned athletes have to consider when you know when they're when they're planning their careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really sad. I feel bad for them. Yeah, me too. Uh, Another headline, scientists are saying that COVID-19 RNA was found on surfaces of the Princess cruise ship 17 days after passengers left. And that was in the cabins of people that were symptomatic and asymptomatic. So that's that's a pretty long time for stuff to just be existing and staying on surfaces. And yeah, that's why it's so important to if you get a package or if you get your mail or, you know, if, so, if somebody's handing you something off in a delivery, just to make sure you wear gloves, wipe everything down, because if it can live on some of these surfaces for that long and you touch it and then you touch your face, you got it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's really crazy. And especially the longer this goes on, I feel like the more comfortable, you know, you might start feeling in your own house to lag on cleaning or like washing your hands or not touching your face but exactly what you said it's super important to keep that stuff up because this seems to be pretty relentless as a bug um there's another piece of reporting out that's super interesting about the gender divide in how the coronavirus is affecting uh different genders in italy Hospitalized men with COVID-19 were 75% more likely to die from the complications of the disease than women were that were hospitalized with the disease. And that's crazy. And that's a trend that I think is the most stark in Italy, but it's consistent throughout most of the countries that men are more likely to pass away from this. And there's a bunch of different theories uh and there's a lot of research that's being done to look into this specifically one of the sort of on the surface theories is maybe men are more likely to smoke and because of having a stronger history of smoking that that could put them more at risk for not being able to fight this off with their own immune system um in 2016 and 2017 a team uh this is an interesting study that was done on mice a team found that when they infected male and female mice with coronaviruses uh, that caused severe acute respiratory syndrome or SARS and Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, uh, at every age, male mice were more susceptible to infection than females. So, and that's obviously in the absence of the factor of smoking, unless there's some really cool ass French mice (laughs) just smoking and chilling. (laughs) But... (laughs) It's just an adorable, an adorably morbid image. Um, but it's because they yell so much. They just yell, you know, and their lungs are tired from yelling yeah. at, I don't know, at women and their small lady brains. Yes. Yeah. There's there's something that's definitely affecting men's lungs right now uh, more, more than women's. And yeah, the fact that it's being present in, in mice as well is starting to beg the question of whether or not estrogen and female uh, hormones might be playing, or hormones typically associated with females, are there could be you know helping people fight the virus off because they also found in these mice that when they remove their ovaries, 
they were less likely to be able to fight off the infection. Haha. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah, it's got to have something to do with uh, like reproductive biostability. I mean, that's what, you know, most stuff like, you know, things that are found in breast milk, estrogen, uh, those antibodies are usually stronger just for the for the fact alone that we, you know, we are the ones who technically bear children. And so that, you know, everything is sort of bio figured. Yeah, um, that that would make sense. So, you know, hey, everyone who was making fun of dudes for eating soy and being vegan and you got more estrogen, maybe <laughs> maybe now's your winning moment. That's true. You might have tits, but at least you can fight off COVID-19. It's a trade off. <laughs> tits against the covid yes i like it um (laughs) but i only say that because i hear i hear men complain about their their quote-unquote man tits but right yeah i've heard that too in the body and then the people people use that to make fun of other people too and it's just the dumbest thing it is very dumb i was gonna say in the body positive world i would love to live in everybody would have tits and everybody would love them (laughs) <laughs> everyone would have boobs and no one would have coronavirus <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly and gender would just be a construct but here we are and that's so that's um that, that's I, I think that's just like fascinating research so i'm really curious to see if there's any way that they could like i don't know is is hormone if they could find a way for hormone therapy or of some kind i'm entirely speculating because i'm very much not a scientist and <laughs> I have a uh, political science degree, but you can also wonder uh, if women in menopause who are lacking those hormones, uh, if that's what makes age a factor. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different things to consider. And obviously, these are all this is all just conjecture conjecture. There's we have got no studies on this yet. But like you said, you brought up those MERS and SARS studies that, you know, have looked at that a little bit. So that's really interesting. That's really um, that's really fascinating. Yeah, I think it is too, and I hope that it can lead to some something that um that can be turned into something helpful rather than just a very explicit look at who is more screwed, sort of. Um, but but yeah, that's that's pretty much all of the the coronavirus hot notes I've got. I can throw it over to you. Yeah, I just got a uh, little. I'll go through the task force briefing which i watched today so you don't have to yay um it's they're ridiculous so there first of all dr burks was there dr fauci was there he's been gone the last few days um and the vice president was there and it opened by trump saying you know we keep following our guidelines on social distancing keep doing that the goal is to ease the guidelines and open things up as we near the end of the historic battle with the enemy he started talking like mussolini um, he said, I, he said, I hope we can do this by Easter. That's his new goal. That it would be a great thing for our country. And we're working to make that a reality. Easter is special for me for many reasons. Me, for a lot of our friends, it's a very special day. It's a special time. Easter is our timeline. It's a tremendous, it's a beautiful timeline. Um, uh, then he says his first priority is always the health and safety of the American people. Uh, we're continuing to evaluate the data. We're making decisions based on what's best for our fantastic country. Um, he says, everyone looks to us and they're watching us and I'm proud to be your president. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We will deliver for you what we have like we have in the past. Then he gave some numbers, same numbers he gave yesterday, 8 million N95s, 14 million surgical masks, 2.4 million face shields, 1.9 million gowns and 4,000 ventilators. I think he meant 400. <laughs> um, 
He says he's activated the the PDA, but uh, provides companies, but private companies are are pr- producing anyway because they know I'll use it. If they don't, it's called leverage, and companies are doing it as we ask. Um, he says Ford, 3M, and GE Healthcare are making tremendous numbers of respirators and ventilators and face shields, and we did that without exercising the Defense Production Act. Uh, it says the Army Corps of Engineers and National Guard are building four hospitals in New York City f- and four other medical facilities in different parts of New York. Uh, They're deploying the USS Comfort, a Navy ship, to New York to take on patients that are not COVID patients to ease up rooms in the hospital for COVID patients. Um, The Mercy is on its way to Los Angeles. Uh, He then touts, then he, this is where he gets all Mussolini, like he touts isolationism, saying we need to be independent. We have to be dependent on no one. And we need American equipment made by Americans in America and only for Americans. And we need strong borders because without borders, you don't have a nation for a victorious future that can't be denied. That's fucked up and very fascisty. Isn't it? That is just like, for our victorious future that will not be denied Americans for Americans, just us independent. We can't rely on anyone. Uh, it was, and, oh, it was just, it was gross. Yeah. It's almost like Um, there are these groups of Axis powers that are sharing resources with each other and then, like, other countries, I guess, ours right now that just are not. It's... Yeah. Really interesting. I'm thinking back to when, like, Russia helping out Italy and China helping out Italy, and then... You have rhetoric coming out of the United States, which is seems to be insinuating we're not going to help other people. That's like mm. so gross and weird. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, then Dr. Burks gets up and says, we've done 370,000 tests. Uh, our testing is accelerating thanks to the HHS, CDC, and the FDA. Um, we're working on self-testing, not home testing, just doing it yourself at the hospital. That makes it so that the you know the healthcare worker giving uh, administering the test or taking the sample doesn't have to use PPE. Um, she's saying we have encouraging results coming out of Italy. Uh, she says, but be careful, our new cases will surge because we're working on a backlog. And then Dr. Fauci gets up and he talks about testing. Um, he says testing was an issue, but now that we literally have hundreds of thousands of tests. When we make policy about areas that aren't hot spots, we need to put a light on those dark spots and we'll be getting more data. We need that data. Uh, areas that aren't hot spots like California, New York, and Washington, they still have a better chance of containing the virus because it's not there yet. So you'll be hearing more about where we're going. Uh, New York is very serious, he says, but we're seeing that uh, what we're seeing is people want to get out of New York, but then they go to another place. They need to monitor themselves, and the idea of self isolating for two weeks will be important. Um, then he talks about drugs, and he says the doctors can prescribe off-label drugs. Uh, we're, we're simultaneously doing clinical trials on multiple drugs, not just the, um, you know, the chloroquine or, or, or azithromycin, but the high, high, hydroxy, whatever. yeah, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, uh, but other drugs as well. And he named off a bunch of drugs, antivirals, because the the X the X pack cocktail that he was talking about is. Um, is for bacterial parasitic infections. And he's, they still don't have any, uh, they only have anecdotal evidence that it works. Then Larry Kudlow got up and he seemed sober today. Um, he said, <laughs> he said, we're uh, gaining progress on the phase three legislation. That's the $2 trillion bailout. He said, Steve and Mark Meadows uh, say we're getting closer. Key points, it's urgently needed to bolster the economy. We could have an economic rebound later this year. I think that's positioning for Trump's reelection. 
Uh, and he went over some key points of the stimulus, uh, payments to families, the $500 billion treasury fund. He said that's no longer going to be just uh, without condition. It'll be overseen by a committee and the inspector general. Um, I don't know if I trust the inspector general. Which inspector general are we talking about? Um, talked about s- small business loans, student loan interest deferral, student loan pa- payment deferral, tax deferrals, etc. So he he got him talked about the economy, and it seems like they're gearing up to say the economy is going to look really shitty for the next multiple months. But don't worry, it'll come back. So you should reelect Trump. Um, and then uh, Vice President Pence got up said, thanks, everything's great, you're all great, 15 days to slow the spread. Experts are saying if every American follows the guidelines, we can reduce the spread. We're focused on testing and supplies. Trump is awesome. If you don't have symptoms, don't get a test. And then um, he says, we encourage all labs to report test results to the CDC. Encourage? I thought it was a law. Uh, whatever. What a shit show. And then um, he says, New York is 60% of new cases. Uh, one in 1,000 are infected, and we're calling on any American who has traveled to New York or from New York to watch yourself. Uh, and if you wouldn't mind self-isolating, that would be great. And that's just unbelievable. Why they aren't shutting down travel from New York, I just don't fucking understand. Um, and then Fauci fielded a metrics question uh, about, hey, you know, Trump here said that he wants to open the country at Easter. What, what say you, Dr. Fauci? And he goes, well... We have to look at the metrics. It's, it changes day by day by day. We can't, I, you know, I'm not going to make a prediction for anything, but, you know, basically defied Trump's Easter shit. And then Trump was mad and he took one more question about New York and then pivoted how he learned from Dr. Burks about all our awesome testing. Uh, and it'll make a big difference because we'll be able to open the country. And then uh, he peaced out. Uh, well, he, he was asked if, like, what could be opened like what parts of the country could be open. He's like the farm belt, big sections of Texas. We can have large sections of the country open. We need to be open. It'll go very quickly. And then he just peaced out. So I think Fauci's in trouble again. I think Trump was mad at Fauci for pretty much defying him again right in front of his face. So that is the long and short of that. Um, well, as soon as he learned that that guy had his own brain, he should have kept him far away. He should have known he was going <laughs> to come out and just continually <laughs> shit on him. Yeah, totally. Uh, All right. We'll be right back with uh, more news, including an update on the stimulus package. We have the cancellation of Bill Barr's testimony to the House Judiciary, Uh, you know, update on where Dr. Fauci has been until today and then why Trump thinks we'll be raring to go by Easter. We'll cover all that right after this break. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by TheZebra.com. These days, I try to be careful to avoid overpaying for anything. Uh, and it has been reported that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over $21 billion, with a B, dollars. But searching for a better deal can take hours and typically results in a barrage of unwanted phone calls and spam emails. Until now, thanks to TheZebra.com. TheZebra.com is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site because it's the only place you can compare quotes side-by-side from over 100 providers and choose the best one for you in 90 seconds or less. Plus... And this is the important part. They will never sell your information to the spammers. So you won't get all the unwanted calls and and spam emails in in your inbox. Uh, You just answer a few questions on a simple, fast form. They find the best rate for you and coverage in your state. TechCrunch calls the Zebra kayak for auto insurance. And the best part is it's completely free. You can save up to $670 a year by using the Zebra.com. Just takes a couple minutes and it's free. I know we could all use that extra cash about now. So check out the Zebra.com. 
How much can you save on your car and home insurance as well? Go today and start saving at thezebra.com slash dailybeans. That's thezebra.com slash dailybeans, spelled T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A dot com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, so Democrats and Republicans are getting closer to a deal on the $2 trillion stimulus bill in Congress today. Some of the items up for negotiations, which uh, all Americans uh, are waiting for, is who will be eligible for the $1,200 stimulus checks. I think they've landed on $1,200. Um, they're going to look at the uh, they're talking about the eligibility requirements for the $350 billion in small business loans and the oversight of the half a trillion dollars going to bail out corporations such as airlines, hotels, the cruise ship industry, and more. House Speaker Pelosi was on a conference call just a couple hours ago with her caucus, and uh, it is reported that she was saying that they didn't get everything they wanted, but it is much better than what the Republicans put forward, uh, and she is encouraging her caucus to vote for it, uh, encouraging the Democrats to vote for it. And uh, I predicted that they probably didn't go for the $15 an hour minimum wage for corporations that have the bailout. They probably didn't go for the carbon emissions uh, requirements for airlines who get money. Uh, And there might be a couple of other things in there. They might have come to somewhere in the middle on how much uh, money each American will get immediately. Uh, She has said that Steve, not each American, just Americans who passed the means test. She said that uh, Steve has agreed to oversight. Uh, and conditions for the half a trillion dollar corporate bailout. They were calling it a blank check or a slush fund, but apparently there's going to be oversight and conditions. She said that to her caucus. And earlier today, the Republicans had a meeting with the White House leadership and Steve and and their new uh, chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and they also feel comfortable with what's in the revised bill. Additionally, Chuck Schumer has spoken with the Dem caucus about what's in the deal. Uh, and all of this has been cut behind closed doors with just key me- members of leadership. It's not usually how a bill goes. Uh, usually it's de- you know deliberated on the floor. It goes through committees, et cetera, et cetera. But that would take too much time. So it's significant that we're hearing uh, these and seeing these concessions and agreements along uh, with both sides whipping their members to vote. Yes. Uh, meaning, you know, like Pelosi calling up and then the Republicans telling their folks, I think we got uh, I think this is good. Uh, I think there was compromise on both sides. Uh, and so they're ensuring them that the bill is a good deal because the members haven't seen the text of the bill. So they have to take the word of Nancy Pelosi uh, and Mitch McConnell and et cetera, you know, the leaders uh, that, that are cutting this deal. They have to take their word for it because they haven't seen the text of the bill. But the bill could pass as soon as tonight. Uh, Chuck Schumer said six hours ago the bill was on the two-yard line amidst reports from insiders that Trump and Pelosi haven't actually spoken in five months. So the two sides have agreed conceptually, and now they're going back and forth on drafting the language. Um, Given the scope of the legislation, it's huge. It's going to take some time. uh, And when I get the news of the final bill, we'll bring you the details. We'll discuss the implications. Um, the corporation on or the cooperation on Capitol Hill, though, today boosted the stock market. Single biggest gain since 1933. Single day gain. The Dow Jones Industrial Complex picked up over 2000 points, uh, 11 percent. That's a pretty big rebound. But new home sales are down more than four percent in February, which is another kick to the economy while it's down. And we know the job numbers aren't going to be pretty either uh, as they come out in the coming months. But for today, the market got a boost from this $2 trillion stimulus package, at least that it's looking like Democrats and Republicans are coming to a compromise. But speaking of the job numbers, Ohio Lieutenant Governor John Husted told uh, m- told us Monday um, that the Trump administration has asked Ohio not to release unemployment numbers. 
Uh, during a press conference with Governor DeWine, Husted said he could not reveal how many Ohioans had filed for unemployment because the White House asked him not to. So that's frightening. I'm sure Steve is behind this. Um, after all, Mnuchin is the guy who didn't want the Secret Service to release their expenditures on Trump's vacations until after the election. We'll know more as the deadline to report these numbers draws near. And uh, I'm pretty sure that the state's hardest hit, including New York, California, and Washington, are not going to withhold their jobs numbers. But we'll see what Trump's Labor Department does with them, because that's who eventually puts out the numbers. Uh, And Trump told Fox News today he would like to see full churches on Easter thereby revealing his timeline for when he thinks the country should reopen for business. He hinted at it yesterday in his press conference and and came out today and said Easter. And then he, you know, as you heard in the in the A block there, when we went over the press, the, the task force press briefing, he confirmed it. Easter is his goal, April 12th. That's less than three weeks from now. And not one single doctor or scientist seems to agree with this timeline. He said he would love to see people going to church and that Easter is extra special to him. Uh, how Easter is extra special to him, I'll never understand. I mean, maybe he hires more women to spank him with a magazine with his daughter's picture on the cover while his wife is giving birth to his fifth child and they get to wear bunny ears so he can feel like Hugh Hefner for a second. I don't understand why Easter is special for Donald Trump. And if that's not enough, the Republican lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, giant douchebag, on Monday night told Tucker Carlson, another giant douchebag, that he and other grandparents would be willing to risk their health and even their lives in order for the United States to get back to work amid the coronavirus pandemic. He says, quote, those of us who are 70 plus will take care of ourselves, but don't sacrifice the country. This seems to be the rallying cry on the right, that we should be willing to sacrifice 2.5% of the population for the stock market. Um, it's that uh, uh, that position is gaining traction as, as Trump Try it keeps putting it out there. And in keeping with that Nazi shit, um, this week in Jesus Take the Wheel, Liberty University in Virginia. That's the school run by Jerry Falwell Jr., who's probably being blackmailed by Trump over photos of him, his wife, and his pool boy, welcomed students back to campus this Monday amid criticism for the idiotic move during the pandemic. More than 1,100 students returned from spring break, making Liberty University a likely hotspot of super spreaders. At least one professor criticized the move in an op-ed saying Falwell's lack of concern about the coronavirus puts staff, faculty, and everyone in the city of Lynchburg in danger. Quote, as a Liberty faculty member, I have been told that my colleagues and I must conduct our classes from our offices. Even though that instruction is now being delivered virtually, uh, he said, we are also expected to hold office hours and welcome students for face-to-face interaction. And that is Professor Mary Beth Davis Baggett. And there's a piece in the New York Times today with the headline, Trump has given unusual leeway to Fauci, but aides say he's losing patience. So Dr. Fauci, as we know, the director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since 1984, interesting, 1984, has grown bolder lately, Dr. Fauci has, in defying Trump's lies in front of him and in other interviews. And, and also defying his overly Trump's overly optimistic statements. And he's been doing this, ramping it up seem, seemingly in the past two weeks. And apparently Trump's patience with him is wearing thin. Um, you'll notice his obvious absence from recent task force briefings at the White House, though he was there today. Um, Fauci and Trump have disagreed publicly on, on a timeline for a vaccine. Uh, they've dis- disagreed on whether chloroquine could help those with acute COVID-19 with Fauci making clear he doesn't think the drug holds the potential that Trump is saying it does. 
Um, Last night, Fauci gave an interview with Science Magazine in which he was asked how he managed not to get fired by Trump so far for publicly disagreeing with him all the time. And he said, well, to Trump's credit, even though we disagree on something, he listens. Um, He goes his own way. He has his own style. But on substantive issues, he does listen to what I say. That was according to Fauci in that interview with Science Magazine. But Fauci also said there was a limit to what he could do when Trump goes too far uh, in his, you know, far his own way, saying, quote, I can't jump in front of the microphone and push him down. Okay, he said it. Let's try to correct it the next time. That was Fauci's. <laughs> Although I would really like to see Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, uh, just tackle Trump, just whoop, boom, right from the side, commercial style. Um, then in an interview with Face the Nation, Dr. Fauci said, the president has heard, as we've all have heard, what, uh, what I call anecdotal reports that certain drugs work. So what he was trying to do and express was the hope that they might work. Uh, and let's try to push their usage. I, on the other side, have said I'm not disagreeing with the fact anecdotally that they might work. But my job is to provide definitively from a scientific standpoint that they do work. So I was taking a purely medical scientific standpoint and the president was trying to bring hope to the people. I was kind of hoping uh, I was taking a purely medical scientific standpoint and the president was just lying. But he didn't he didn't go that far. He was trying to bring hope to the people. And according to the New York Times, as Fauci's interviews have increased in frequency over the past two weeks, White House officials have become more concerned about him criticizing the president. As you did see, he was at the press briefing today, the task force press briefing. Um, But uh, Trump shut the whole thing down quickly after Fauci disagreed with him. We went over that in the A block. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we see Fauci tomorrow. And I'll I'll let you know. You don't have to watch it. I'll watch it for you. And I'll give you the highlights and the (laughs) lowlights. I'll give you all the good parts. Uh, And remember, okay, a long time ago, on a different plane, we had a big crisis that was our Department of Justice having been fully weaponized by President Trump when Barr intervened in the Stone sentencing and also the Flynn sentencing and more recently with the dismissal of the Mueller-Purgosian-Concord management charges. And uh, Bill Barr was supposed to answer questions before the House Judiciary Committee on March 31st. Not just about those instances, but also his, you know, tasking different U.S. attorneys with uh, political, like, errands, like having uh, Durham from Connecticut, like, look into the 2016 investigation into Russia and so forth. Well, that hearing has been postponed indefinitely. The latest thing to be canceled on Capitol Hill since all matters not related to coronavirus have been shelved. Uh, Jerry Nadler tweeted Monday, quote, due to overwhelming health and safety concerns, the House Judiciary will postpone our March 31st oversight hearing with Attorney General Barr. Department of Justice has made a commitment to rescheduling the hearing for when the crisis abates and the committee is able to reconvene. So that is from a tweet from Jerry Nadler. A Justice Department spokesman has confirmed that the department had committed to rescheduling uh, the hearing at a later date, and that's from Politico. So uh, we will be right back to discuss what would happen legally if in the very unlikely event there were no elections this November, and we'll talk to Andrew Torres from the Opening Arguments podcast about that. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and this portion of The Daily Beans is brought to you by 3rd Love, the makers of the most comfortable bra in the world. 3rd Love bras are tailored to your individual shape. They're designed for ultimate comfort. Many women, including myself, fall in between cup sizes, which makes it very difficult to find the perfect fit. But not anymore. I am obsessed. 3rd Love has over 80 bra sizes. They're an industry leader in the number of sizes they have, and they have their signature half cup sizes, so you can find the perfect fit just for you. So just check out their Fit Finder quiz. In just a minute or so, I was able to find the perfectly exact bra designed just for me because they use my info plus data from millions of women who've already taken the quiz. And not only do they consider cup size, but they take into account your breast shape and they find the perfect bra for you. Every third love bra is made with lightweight, super thin memory foam cups. They mold to your shape. They have no slip straps. They don't have tags, so they don't itch. It's all designed for ultimate comfort. And with third love's perfect fit promise, this is the best thing in the world. You have 60 days to try it, wash it, wear it. And if it is not the perfect fit for you and you don't love it 100%, returns and exchanges are free and easy. And third love will donate their gently used bras to people in need. So far, they've donated over $15 million in bras supporting charities across the United States. And third love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash dailybeans now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash dailybeans for 15% off today. Joining me today via Skype is my good friend, real life lawyer, real life friend and co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. Andrew, thanks for coming on the Daily Beans today. How are you? I am as fantastic as anyone can be under these circumstances. Uh, AG, thank you so much for having me on the show. Love coming on. Yeah, I love having you. How, how are you holding up over there? Uh, you know, little, a uh, little cough, little uh, congestion, but uh, you know, I'm I'm following all the protocols, and you know, we do we do our show remotely anyway. So uh, so we've been self quarantined for for three years now. But uh, <laughs> how about you? Uh, yeah, well, you know, the healthcare workers uh, go to work for us, so I'm staying home for them. And uh, as you know, per our governor Gavin Newsom, we are not having uh, in-person recordings either. So uh, we have we normally don't uh, record remotely. So we're getting used yeah. to that. We're getting used to that. Um, I think we'll all have be having to get used to that for for a while. I I, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, unless you know, Trump reopens the country, uh, and, you know. <laughs> Hey, well, you know, at least Liberty University's back open, right? Oh, God, I saw your tweet. Okay, so <laughs> Liberty University is the Falwell joint, right? That's the the absolutely ridiculous, probably cover for money laundering. Who the fuck knows? And <laughs> that's, that's speculation, not a legal. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm allowed to wildly speculate. <laughs> that's right. I forgot. <laughs> I have license. Uh, so, yes, uh, disclaimer, that is just a uh, thought. That is a speculative thought. Um, but you tweeted out their upcoming course catalog and oh my God. <laughs> yeah. If, if you, you know, if you've, if you've been through a couple Stephen King novels and you'd like a, it's 1700 pages long, by the way. So, you know, it's a, it's a couple of hours worth of entertainment, but, um, <laughs> The, uh, you know, like the 300 level econ class that is about the quote mysteries of Marxism, end of quote. It, it I, I call the school a, a cargo cult university, right? Like it, it, you know, sort of looks like a college from the outside. It, you know, you get a degree that, that kind of looks like it's an actual degree, but there's no real learning that takes place inside. Yeah. Intro to cults 101. <laughs> they, I am at, like, I imagine, like, uh, you know, some of the lower level econ classes are like how to make hand turkeys and, macaroni necklaces like it's seriously the most ridiculous shit i've ever seen <laughs> so 
The reason I wanted to bring you on today is because in a recent episode, as we know, Nancy Pelosi has introduced a bill counter to the Republicans' bullshit stimulus $500 billion Steve slush fund for whoever wants it, and we don't have to tell you who we gave it to for six months. She introduced as part of her economic stimulus plan that all states have to set up 15 days of early voting, presumably because it's going to take so long because of social distancing, uh, and vote by mail along with no excuse absentee voting. But in a recent episode of Opening Arguments, you talked about what would happen if for some reason there was no election in the fall. And we covered this we covered this briefly, but we didn't we didn't have all the legal details about the succession, like right, the presidential succession, uh, specifically because, you know, uh, representatives are elected every two years. What happens with them? So the first obvious question here is legally, can Trump cancel the election? So legally, Trump cannot cancel the election. He can't postpone the election. Right. That is fixed by statute. So Congress would have to pass a law changing it. And, I, you know, I think Nancy Pelosi is unlikely to pass such a law. Um, it, it, what we entered. So I, I just want to reassure, right, because, you know, our, our audiences are the same. We're all, you know, sort of left of center. There's lots of scary things about Trump. But the, you know, can he use emergency state of emergency powers to abolish elections, make himself king? Uh, n- no, he, he, he can't do that. Right. But like it just happened with Putin and Russia. Right. And they <laughs> presumably had a constitution. But, you know, granted, it is a little bit different over there. But, you know, if by some weird Bill Barr Nazi miracle, he managed to pull it off or if he signs an executive order and the court doesn't issue an injunction and some I mean there's a there are a million scenarios the thing about Trump is there's always a million scenarios I haven't thought of and so <laughs> here we are entertaining the the possibility although albeit small and illegal if you know if he was somehow able to postpone the elections what happens in January yeah so it, and and I just want to say as the the predicate to the question it it's that's why we did the show, right? Like it, it never underestimate, you know, how clever the other side, like I wouldn't have thought it would have been possible to hijack a a Supreme court seat, but you know, sort of here we are. Yeah. I didn't think it would be possible for the attorney general to intervene and recommend lower sentencing for friends of the president. I wouldn't have thought he could take the Mueller report, uh, (laughs) issue a summary that omits the word not and get away with it. But yeah, so, right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's why we kind of went through that. Right. So let's imagine, right. Donald Trump, you know, sends out the army, you know, uh, George Wallace style to like blockade every polling place. Right. Right. Again, not likely. Um, we're actually protected in in that instance, and we're protected by the Twentieth Amendment of the Constitution, which says that the terms of the president and the vice president shall end at noon on the twentieth day of January. So, if there is no election, right, it's the same as if Trump loses the election and then you know just refuses to leave the White House, right? Like he's he is no longer the president as of January twentieth, twenty twenty one. If there's no election. If there's no election. Yeah. Right. And and then and then, you know, because and presumably this would all if if we are protected and we need to go to court over this, uh, this would all be taking place in the D.C. Circuit Court, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, because it's happening in in Washington, D.C. And and I feel pretty safe with the makeup of the current D.C. appellate court. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, until it gets to, uh, but I mean, you know, Naomi Rao is not is not going to be able to clone herself twice uh, on, <laughs> the, on the DC circuits. So, yeah, <laughs> gosh, if they develop that technology, right? Like the uh, the Wolverine clones from the last. Uh, anyway, um, let's let's not entertain that hypothesis. No, and even with uh, Mitch McConnell, you know, taking his four day vacation to go talk to conservative judges to get them to retire early so they can get fresh new conservative shithole blood on the courts you aren't going to change the balance of that court that's right i mean look that that's right in the next you know couple of months like it 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 is worth pointing out and i know you've done this on your show that uh, numerically because of the way mitch mcconnell and the republicans obstructed obama's appointments in the last two years of his presidency when they controlled the senate um donald trump has appointed as many federal judges right, at all three levels, district court judges, circuit court, circuit courts of appeal judges and Supreme Court justices uh, as Obama and 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 George W. Bush did in eight years. Right. And he's done that in three years. So um, it is terrifying the degree to which he's remade the bench, you know, including putting a guy whose ass I kicked in a debate. Uh, who has zero, no, seriously, like this guy, Justin Walker, like I, I went out the American constitution society, flew me out to Louisville. Uh, he lied in this debate about, you know, what the, uh, the constitution's religion clauses mean. And, uh, I called him out for it. And then, you know, jokes on me. Cause two months later, this guy who's, you know, sole credentials are giving speeches to the federalist society and teaching at a law school, right? Never taken a deposition, never argued a motion, never, you know, practiced law in any way. Now, lifetime appointee to the federal bench, and he's like 35. Well, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel on these judge appointments. And, you know, I think maybe maybe Liberty University has some sort of a fast track to become a federal judge uh, program in their in their new class schedule. So maybe sorry, it, I've, I've derailed us. It's OK. Either way, uh, if we get back to this question at hand here, what is the presidential? Because I was thinking, well, then Nancy Pelosi becomes uh, the president. Uh, but because. Pence and uh, Trump are both out, but Nancy Pelosi's term also ends. Yeah. Uh, as does every single congressional representative. They are up for election every two years. That's right. And and interestingly, the House of Representative terms, this is the second half of Section 1 of the 20th Amendment, the, those end on January 3rd. Right. So it's 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 really important um, for the reason that I'm about to explain. Um the, the the other aspect is that members of the House of Representatives must be elected, right? Um, one of the things that you might have have you know you you see over time is a, a senator will die in office, and because of the weird history of the Senate, right? Most states didn't popu- popularly elect their senators until the 20th century, so governors can appoint interim senators to fill Senate seats. Yeah, this happened with Martha McSally when, uh, yes, uh-huh, and that's why she's there uh, because she did lose her election in 2018 to Kristen Kirsten Cinema. Uh, and now she has to run in an election against Mark Kelly in Arizona uh, her, you know, and I think she'll lose again. So that so the senators get appointed. Uh, but there are special elections for for House representatives. Is that correct? Yeah. So in, in, and, the, and the key part is House representatives, even on an interim basis, cannot be appointed. Right. So in this scenario where the the polling places are barricaded and nobody can cast any votes for anyone. Um, 
there's no Congress either, right? Uh, and so there's no Speaker of the House. There's there's no no one. Uh, and then you get to the person, so President, Vice President, Speaker of the House, and then the fourth person in line. Let me guess, let me guess. Yeah. President pro tem of the Senate? Yeah. So the way that you get to be President pro tem of the Senate is you, you're the oldest white guy left standing, right, in the majority party. And... Is it really like white guy or is it just, no, no, it's just, it, it just uh, coincidentally happens to be white, white males. Um, it is the, the longest tenured Senator of the majority party in the Senate and you're okay. You're so you're sitting there and you're thinking like, all right, who's the oldest Republican and I'll save you time. That would be Chuck Grassley. Chuck Grassley. Yeah. Chuck Grassley. That's a, that's a pretty good Chuck Grassley, uh, you know, pre-coronavirus uh, impression. I've been um, working on it. <laughs> nice. That's kind of that was more jowly. I like I like that one. <laughs> you got to um, add the jowls. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, they they select the president pro tem by the jowls. Yeah, that's that little known. That's the the twenty ninth amendment. Not, not a lot of people know that one. Um, no. So so okay. So you're sitting there thinking like, well, gosh, replacing Trump with Grassley, it, it's probably slightly better than a lateral move, but but that's not great. But but here's what that misses, right? Um, the reason that there's no House of Representatives in this apocalypse scenario is because the House has to be elected, and you can't appoint interim House members. Um, the the Senate, those terms don't come up every year, right? Uh-oh, uh-oh, wait a second, wait a second. Are you saying we could get the majority back through appointments from governors who won democratically elected, democratically elected governors in red states? I, I have done the math on this, and that is exactly what I am saying. Holy shit. So like Kansas and, and Bashir and like some of these senators are going to be up and we could actually get a majority back just through Senate appointments from Democratic governors who won their seats in red states. There, there are, as far as I can tell. So there are a whole bunch of here's the the underlying facts are um, people have been saying it's going to be really difficult for the Democrats to recapture the Senate in 2020. That That is certainly true. Um, but it's not because Democrats are defending more seats. As it turns out, Republicans are defending way more seats than Democrats. It's just most of those Republican seats are being defended in Republican states. Ruby red states. Ruby, ruby red states. Yeah, you know, Arkansas, Georgia, Alaska, Mississippi, Idaho, right? Um but I so I did the breakdown and I, and I won't go through the number of states that have Republican senators up for election that uh, have a Republican governor or Democratic senators up for election in states with a Democratic governor. But but I will tell you, there are three instances of Republican governors and Democratic Senate seats. Right. And those are Alabama, Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Um, and and Chris Sununu may lose that. Uh, gubernatorial race in New Hampshire. So, you know, who knows? Um, but if there's no elections, then... Yeah, right, right. Uh, but there are seven, actually, excuse me, there are eight examples of Republican, Republican Senate senators. seats with Democratic governors. And that is Colorado, Kentucky, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Montana, North Carolina, and Virginia. So by the way, like, so that's a net four conservatively, and we're only down three seats. Exactly right. 
Exactly right. And and that net four swing would change us from 53-47 uh, Republican to 51-49 Democrat. So even, you know, so, th- so there wouldn't be a tiebreaker scenario. There wouldn't be any of the uh, apocalyptic, right? Now, who has the biggest jowls in the Democratic Party? Is it, is it Leahy? It is Pat Leahy. That is right. <laughs> um, he's He's 80. Um, he was first elected to the Senate in 1974. He is the senior senator. Oh, my God. He's been a senator since I was born. Uh-huh. Yeah, you and me both. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, that, that, and, and look, all of this is preposterously, unthinkably, you know, unlikely, right? But... If you don't think Mitch McConnell has done this math, I mean, like Mitch McConnell has clearly done this math, right? Like that, that it's why I did the math because, uh, you know, fool me once won't get fooled again. Mm. Um, and, and so every scenario that I look at when I try and think like, h- how could the bad guys use this to their advantage, right? I, I, some of them are super easy, right? Like that is, uh, make sure that the only adult in the room is Steve Mnuchin, who has already, you know, looted and destroyed two major American institutions to line his pockets. Like, yeah, you know what's going to happen in a Steve Mnuchin, uh, you know, negotiated deal. So th- there are plenty of things to be terrified of, but, but, us losing the uh, the right to vote, I I think isn't one of them. Yeah, you know, it, 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 again, I I don't want us to get complacent in any way whatsoever, right? Like the the Republicans have a full court press to make it as hard as possible for ordinary people to vote, right? Like that's they are the party of we want it to be hard for you to vote, and I, I have no doubts that they will do everything in their power to continue to make it that way, but. I, I don't think they're going to call out the army and station no. troops in front of your polling places and prevent you from casting ballots because uh, nobody other than Pat Leahy really wants Pat Leahy as president. So, <laughs> now, okay, now just uh, one step further in this, I, you know, that's that's meant in good fun. In this point zero 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 one percent apocalyptic no election scenario where we have you know Leahy twenty twenty. Uh, who how do they just appoint a vice president so it, yeah in <laughs> in that situation where there is like Leahy would not actually become the president he would become the acting president until we figure out what happens with the state electors well t- trump likes acting positions so <laughs> so yes he would get he would get to appoint a uh, an acting vice president me there we go i'm uh, Leahy AG 2020. Uh, it's we could we could do worse. Apocalypse elections. <laughs> Leahy AG 2020. The apocalypse. I like it. I'm into it. I'll do it. I'm. I'll. I'll canvas for you. Thanks. I don't think. You well, know, I mean, you know, not in person. Lobby. Yeah. <laughs> Digitally lobby remotely. Yeah, I can't even say. Gosh, I just realized how much of our political participation metaphors, right? Like when I when I talk about when I you know, was a, a very young teenager, the first election that I got involved in, I licked envelopes for the Dukakis campaign. Well, I, I don't think anybody's going to be licking anything for, for quite a while. So, no. I, you know, it's just all of the like, you know, pushing doorbells. Nope. I can't and and nobody nope. wants to lick for Dukakis. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I, 
I'm just, I'm just, uh, it's about, I, I still, I, I, I kind of had, had, had we not had that verdict of history because, you know, Dukakis very memorably at the, uh, or nothing he did was particularly memorable. <laughs> it was memorable to me, damn it. Uh, <laughs> when he said this election is about, is not about ideology. It's about competence. And, um, and, and man, 13 year old me, like I jumped up and cheered for that. I still would, right? Like, it's not ideology. It's competence. That's my rallying cry. And uh, I, I think the, 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 that lonely echoing you hear in the background are the folks who are with me. Yeah, yeah, right, crickets. All right. Well, I think we've got our slogan, Leahy, AG 2020, the apocalypse. There you and go. Uh, we'll work on that. And uh, Andrew Torres, thank you. Uh, where can people find your podcast? Tell us about it. Opening arguments. So just uh, if you if you put that into the Google machine or any other place you get your podcast. We'll, we'll come up. We're uh, at open args on Twitter where a A G and I, uh, you know, trade recipes, uh, three times a day. So it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> but using classified private yeah. servers. Yeah, of course. Obviously. I mean, that's the highly important national security. Uh, these, yeah, the, you thought, but her emails 2016 was going to be bad. Wait, yeah. wait until you, Vice presidential nominee. Like the, that. the Leahy AG emails debacle is going to be scandal lit. All right. Well, thanks for coming on Daily Beans. I really appreciate it. Uh, please take care of of, of yourself and and uh, your friends and your family. No cluster outbreaks. Okay. Absolutely. You you do the same. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always fun. We'll do. Thanks, Andrew. We'll be right back after this quick break with the good news. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest helps you avoid the junk food by making it easy to eat healthy, even for quick meals and snacks. That is my favorite part about it. It's fast and easy and healthy. I love Daily Harvest. They deliver the food you want to eat but don't have time to make, and they deliver it right to your door. Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat more fruits and vegetables with thoughtfully sourced, chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less. They work directly with farms to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and then freeze them within 24 hours to lock in the nutrients. Everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. You can choose from more than 65 different options. They have smoothies, they have soups, they have harvest bowls, overnight oats, all kinds of things. Such a huge just selection. It's amazing. And each recipe just takes one step to make. And, they, and then you have room to make them your own. Like you can add some milk to blend up a smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl and put some uh, avocado on top of it or a fried egg. I love that too. Uh, I make the wheatgrass banana cucumber smoothie a lot. I love it very much. Uh, it gives me all the nutrients that I need to fill in the gaps in my diet. And I like the cauliflower rice and pesto harvest bowl. It's like pesto risotto. It's very delicious. Those are my two favorites right now. So whether you're at your desk, on a hike, or on your way to the gym, don't go to the gym right now. Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack on the go. So go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code DAILYBEANS to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code DAILYBEANS for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. All right, everybody, good news time. Uh, public policy pollings, PPP, uh, their newest North Carolina poll finds the majority of North Carolinians think Richard Burr should resign and that his approval rating has tanked since it came out last week that he dumped stock on information from intelligence briefing about coronavirus ahead of the downturn in the market. 50% of voters in North Carolina said he should resign, compared with just 24% who think he should remain in office. Uh, when voters learned about the stock trade, support for his resignation went from 50 to 60 percent, with only 22 percent opposed. 
And only 22 percent of of voters approve of the job he's doing in Congress, while 54 percent disapprove. That is a drop of 10 points uh, from his disapproval or from his previous poll. And his disapproval is up 18 points since the last poll. 69 percent of voters say the stock sales gave him very serious concerns. And Tom Tillis isn't doing much better among North Carolinians either. He's a jerk. Uh, He only has a 26 percent approval rating of 47 percent disapprove. So let's go North Carolina. And speaking of Richard Burr, Richard Burr is sued in federal court Monday by Alan Jacobson, a shareholder in Wyndham Hotels and Resorts. Jacobson claims that Burr used private information in deciding to sell the stocks. The Center for Responsive Politics reported that holdings sold by Burr and his wife, Brooke, included up to $150,000 of Wyndham stock. Quote, Senator Burr owed a duty to Congress, the United States government, and citizens of the United States, including the plaintiff, not to use material non-public information that he learned by virtue of his duties as a United States senator in connection with the sale or purchase of any security. And the lawsuit was filed uh, when the lawsuit was filed Monday. The Securities and Exchange Commission had issued a very stern warning, too, about insider trading during a pandemic saying, quote, given these unique circumstances, a greater number of people may have access to material non-public information in less than challenging times or in than in less challenging times. The agency's enforcement chiefs uh, said in this statement, quote, those with such access should be mindful of their obligations to keep this information confidential and to comply with the prohibitions on illegal securities trading, illegal securities trading. Trading in a company's securities on the basis of inside information may violate the anti-fraud provisions of the federal securities law. So I think New York should look into this. Uh, With that being said, it's time for a little schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Today's schadenfreude comes from Beth Reinhardt at The Washington Post with the lead, quote, the National Rifle Association is cutting salaries by 20 percent and bracing for layoffs uh, as the coronavirus pandemic forces the nonprofit to cancel its annual meetings set for April and a wide range of upcoming fundraisers and programs, according to a memo to staffers sent out Monday. Perhaps this will give these officials a chance to get a job that saves lives instead of protecting laws that take lives. Uh, you know, just a just maybe there's just a kick in the pants that you need to stop supporting an organization that lobbies for death. Uh, and before we go, we have some good news from listeners from Gwendolyn Justice. Watching the daily update of our governor in Kentucky is amazing. He's calm, letting us know the pertinent information and keeping everyone calm. We love Andy. Congratulations for having a good governor. From Ash, I'm developing a Pavlovian response to the float on music segment. I hear the riff, my chest loosens, and my shoulders relax. Thank you for the good news block. It is fucking essential. It's fucking essential. Thank you, Ash. You are essential. You're essential. Um, you are. Okay. From Brenda Westbury. Our governor here in Idaho is horrible, but local businesses are great. Several local farms and other businesses that usually sell goods at the farmer's markets are offering free delivery within the Boise area or have curbside pickup. Later today, I'm picking up some hard cider and a snack box with local cheese, bread, honey, and granola. Cool. Get that hard cider. Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to do a patron hangout. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I th- I, it's going to be virtual. It's going to be on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash the daily beans if you want to three bucks a month to be a premium subscriber. I mean, that's pretty chill. Uh, and you get to, you know, premium subscriber, both shows, any, you, you know what you get. I don't need to sell it. Um, but thank you so much for your support, uh, to everyone. It's, it's helping us get through this crisis. 
Um, from Stephanie Peregrine, my mom works on the line for a manufacturing company in Washington. They've stopped everything and then are using all their 3D printers to make N95 masks and face shields. She called last night to tell me and she was crying because she was so proud to be able to be doing work that will help. That is amazing. It's such an, it's such an incredible thing, the, uh, what it does for you and your mental health when you're, when you're helping others. I think that's why so many of our listeners are, uh, are in jobs or do things that are of service to other people. It's really incredible. From Karen Norton, I'm impressed by the effective leadership of Governor Gretchen Whitmer and her team in Michigan. I no longer listen to the national pressers, but I listen to the updates from her team. They're factual, to the point, and helpful. Um, from Jen Koss, my school district, the largest in Washington, managed to get meals out to students in a matter of days, not just to the official free and reduced crowd, but to any child who needs one. They also started video lessons that can be accessed online or on TV and started distributing learning packets at the lunch sites for those who don't have access to technology. I love that. I am so proud of Seattle schools for pulling it together so quickly. Uh, from Patty M. DeMurray. Denver issued a shelter-in-place order yesterday, which included closing non-necessary businesses, including liquor stores and dispensaries. Okay, that those are essential here in California. Um, there was such an outcry that within an hour, they had to agree to keep the liquor stores and dispensaries open. <laughs> People are referring to it as the hour-long prohibition. <laughs> That's amazing. Thanks, Patty, for that. That is the hour, the hour-long prohibition of 2020. It'll go down in history. From Carrie Lyford. Uh, I work at the same school as my 10-year-old daughter attends. Every morning, the principal is sending out a video of herself reading the morning announcements, including doing the Pledge of Allegiance and teaching a new word in French and Spanish. Then she reads a picture book. She ends by inviting the kids to be brave and resourceful, but also safe and kind. This little bit of normalcy and gentleness is so reassuring during this crazy time. Thank God for teachers and educators. From Angie Lucente, I'm in Ohio. Our governor sucks on a lot of issues. Let's face it, I disagree with DeWine on nearly everything. But he's been really ahead of the game with social distancing and hiring Dr. Amy Acton was the best thing ever. She's a gem uh, in a time like this. We have a 2 p.m. daily press conference in our state that most of us have started calling Wine Time with DeWine or Snacking with Acton. I love it. So clever. From Susan Olson. The numbers from early voting here in Lorain County, Ohio, showed a larger percentage were Democratic uh, this time around. The good news for sure uh, from this very vocal red area. Not sure how it all plays out when we actually go to the polls, but I'll take it as an encouraging sign. Thank you, Susan. And from Janet Tate, I'm very impressed that our Republican mayor here in San Diego has announced a $4 million relief fund for local businesses with zero interest loans. I am also very happy about that. Uh, and thank you for all of your good news stories. This is seriously... Such uh, a ray of light in a very, very weird time. Uh, I know I've uh, I, I've been feeling very weird. I've been able to name my feelings now. It's grief. I'm feeling grief uh, and um, uh, experiencing the five stages, uh, not linearly. Uh, but uh, if it weren't for for this project and for all of you, uh, this would be next to impossible for me. So I really have to thank you so much. And we will uh, be back, obviously, tomorrow. We'll keep doing this show no matter what. And obviously, Friday, 4 p.m., Patreon, Q&A cocktail quarantine hour. So be there or whatever. Uh, be be square because beans are round. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. It, it's starting to get cabin fever is real. That's all I'm saying. Everyone, please take care of yourselves. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. And take care of each other. I've been AG, and them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. 
Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>